Connecting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello there, and... Welcome to another episode of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast, and you are in for a treat today. I am your host, Roy Biancolana, and today I am going to have my first guest. If you've listened to the preview episode uh, of this uh, podcast, you know that I will occasionally have a guest when I feel like they are in you know, true alignment with what this podcast is all about. And that is certainly true of my first guest today, which is my wife, Mary Margaret Biancolana. We have a great conversation that I believe will be very relevant and very practical for you as you desire to attract lasting love. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her and introduce you to her in just a minute. But right now, I want to tell you that this podcast is sponsored by me. That's right. I am going to have a commercial on my own podcast. (laughs) I guess that's one of the perks of having your own podcast. But no, in reality, I want to just take a couple of minutes here and tell you about the menu of things I have to offer you to help you attract lasting love. I've really never spelled it all out in one place. So the first thing that I want to mention to you, and by the way, everything I'm going to reference is in the show notes uh, and or can be found on the front page of my website, coachingwithroy.com. So the first thing I want to point to is I hope that you have taken my relationship fitness self-assessment test. You know, I'm all about getting in relationship shape. And the first step in that process is to find out what kind of relationship condition you are in now. How in shape or how out of shape are you? And so I've created a short quiz. It takes like three or four minutes to take. It's a true false thing. And the things you need to know about it are one, it is extremely accurate Okay, so you're going to get an accurate reading on how relationally healthy and in shape you are. And then secondly, it is absolutely confidential. Even I don't see your results. All that I get notified of is that someone took the quiz. I do not even see your results. Only you get your results and recommendations. So you discover your fitness level and then you get recommendations on what to do to get yourself in better shape. Okay, so you got to do that. All right, secondly, you probably know I've written three books. They're all on Amazon. My newest book is not only in ebook and paperback like the others, but I've also made an audio version. Okay, so my newest book is Relationship Bootcamp, Hardcore Training for Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Intimacy. And if you have any serious interest in your love life and wanting to attract a healthy dynamic, then it's just a must read. It 
it really is a good book. And they're all number one bestsellers, so you know I have reason to say that. All right, the next thing I have, and we're going through like the, the fitness test is free. The books are very inexpensive on Amazon. The next level of price comes to my video-based e-courses. Right now on my website, there are a number of video-based e-courses, seven, maybe even eight of them. And they are studio quality. They are professionally done. They talk to a number of different issues that affect the single person's life. The two most popular are The Radiant Woman, a course I made for women only on how to animate the divine feminine, and The Superior Man, a course I made for men on how to animate the divine masculine. These are extremely powerful and popular e-courses. And since you're learning about this on the podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST, all caps, when you purchase the e-courses or even the all-access membership, you can get access to everything for one low price. But if you buy them you know, in the all-access membership, or if you buy them individually, if you use the word podcast as a coupon code, you get 50% off, okay? So check those e-courses out. They are fantastic. The next thing I have is what I call online relationship boot camps. So I gather a group of people together every, you know, four or five times a year on different topics. We meet on six consecutive Monday nights via Zoom, and we address a major issue that affects people's lives and their ability to attract a healthy dynamic. And again, one is coming up soon. I do them a number of times a year so that no matter when you're listening to this, chances are there's one starting pretty soon. And if you use the word podcast, all caps, at checkout, you will get 50% off of the group coaching program, okay? And then finally, I want to talk just briefly about my individual coaching program. I don't believe I have ever described what it's like to work with me in a public forum like this. So here's what I do. Here's my coaching program. I do a four-month relationship with my clients. And in those four months, there are eight formal one-hour sessions, which we do via phone or Zoom, okay? In addition to the eight sessions, my clients have what are called laser coaching call opportunities. A laser coaching call is a 15 to 20-minute call. They are unlimited in the program, meaning I am available Monday through Friday. You don't have to schedule them. I am basically on call for four months with my clients. So whenever my clients have a question or they're reading something in my book or my video course or something, they can pick the phone up and they can talk to me in between the formal sessions as often as they want. And by the way, when you are an individual client of mine, you get all of my books, you get a lifetime membership to the website, and you get access to the online group coaching program, online relationship boot camps. So when you're an individual client, you get everything, okay? So the program is four months, 
eight sessions, and unlimited laser calls with me during the four months. We also do a personality evaluation using the Enneagram personality system, which is the most powerful coaching tool in the world, right? And price-wise, I'm not going to give you the price here because, like everything else, prices change. And this podcast is going to be out there in the world, you know, forever. So if I say the price here, chances are it's going to be more expensive in the future, like everything else, okay? But I do want you to know that I offer a sliding scale that I don't want money to be the issue that turns anyone away from working with me directly. I I do, there is a limit to how inexpensive I would go. But I can tell you that I don't feel I'm very expensive to work with me one-on-one, not for what you're getting and not for my expertise and the number of years I've been doing this. And frankly, the number of weddings I get invited to when my clients go through my program. Okay, so I guess if you're Bill Gates, I'm dirt cheap. If you're homeless, I'm probably radically expensive. Okay, so we just have to have a conversation to to find out where you are, to find out if we're a good fit. And so I do offer a free 30 to 40 minute conversation to talk about what's on your mind, to explore if we're a good fit, to see if I can help you and to discuss the, the program in detail. Right. So those are the things that I have to offer you. And I can't encourage you more to to jump in and take advantage of the valuable resources I've created for you. Now, let's shift and let me introduce you to my wife, Mary Margaret. You should know that she is a licensed clinical social worker. She has been a therapist for over 25 years. Uh, She is an amazing person, as you're going to hear. She is not someone who likes to be in front of a microphone or under a spotlight. Her genius is behind the scenes, uh, working one-on-one with people, uh, just being the blessing that she is. She's not an out front, you know, kind of person the way I am. And you'll, you'll hear us discuss that. Now, We do get into a number of very important topics that affect all of us. And those are, we talk at length about how different we are from one another. You're going to attract a partner who is your opposite in many ways. You won't be complete opposites, but you'll have a lot of issues where you and your partner are very different from each other. How you handle those differences is the difference between if the relationship flourishes or falls apart. Okay, so we talk about our significant differences. We also get into a conversation about the early days when we met each other. I did not feel it would be beneficial to my listeners here to hear about the dynamics we face in our 13th year of our marriage. I thought since most of my listeners are single or are you know, in a relationship that's at the very early stages... I thought it would be best for us to focus on the things that we were doing and feeling and working on when we met each other. So we have a pretty long discussion and a pretty hilarious discussion about how we met and the things that we did and how authentic we were in the early days. Okay? And then finally, I wrap up by asking her to put on her clinician's hat. 
to be a therapist for a moment and to share with you and me how she works with clients who are in emotional situations of sadness, anxiety, you know, loneliness and things like that. She's an expert in those areas. And I wanted her to comment a little bit about how she handles a client who is feeling anxious and lonely or different things like that. So it's just an amazing conversation. I think you're going to love it. And without further ado, I bring you Mary Margaret Biancolana. Mary Margaret, thank you for joining me and welcome to the program. Well, good morning, Roy. <laughs> After about three takes of this, I think we're ready to get started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have did a little start and stop, start and stop. That's okay, but I'm not, we are I'm rolling. Not, yeah, I'm not real accustomed to just spontaneously talking into a microphone. Yes, yes, that is very true. Um, I have never seen a microphone or a spotlight that I didn't want to get in front of. And you really have never seen one that you wanted to be in front of. So just one of the ways in which we are dramatically different from one another. And that's going to be a big topic of our conversation because opposites do attract. You will be with a partner where you have many things in common, but there's going to be some significant areas of life where you are fundamentally different from one another And I believe that how you handle those differences is the difference between whether your relationship flourishes or becomes something mediocre or even falls apart, right? One of the legal terms for people when they go through divorce is irreconcilable differences, okay? So that's my point. When you're different and you're going to be different, how you handle that is everything. And we're going to get into that. But I wanted to start by just letting people get to know you a little bit because I've written about you in some of my books. I talk about you and my podcasts and when I'm on various teleseminars and speaking endeavors. And I think for a lot of people who have any familiarity with me, you're a mystery. They hear that you exist, but they've never heard from you. So um, this is our opportunity to introduce you uh, and so tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and about your life and let them know who you are. Well, first of all, I just want to uh, validate that I really do exist. Um, <laughs> so I am here. Um, so my background, I uh, grew up in a small community in rural southwest Michigan. I grew up on a farm, which gave me uh, plenty of opportunity to connect with nature and to have some freedom my sisters and I could, uh, in, the, in those times, we could run around pretty much the neighborhood or go out into our fields and just um, have imagination and create things. And so that part of my life was really um, very fulfilling as I think back on it. As I continued to grow up, um, I got to a point in high school where I started dating very young And then eventually I married very young. Um, That's an understatement. Then (laughs) we we won't discuss years. You you never ask a woman how old she is or how old she was when she got married. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that probably isn't true at at this point in life. But um, I, I had two children and they were wonderful, wonderful children. Of course, I enjoyed them. And as I 
went through my marriage, I, I discovered that I did not have communication skills. I did not have problem-solving skills. I was an avoider. Um, I think my husband at the time was also a, an avoider, so we matched in that way. We both mm. avoided things. And uh, through that process, I decided that I needed to get some help. I was beginning to feel a lot of pain, and I felt like my life was um, pretty much a train wreck. So I sought out therapy, and I spent quite a bit of time in therapy getting my life um, back on track. Through that process, eventually, um, after I've done my own work on myself, I decided that I think I decided at that time I wanted to help other people as well because I realized that change is possible. No matter what situation you're in, there is always a way through it. So at that point, I studied um, in college and I graduated and eventually um, got my licensed clinical social work license. Yeah, Yeah. so you you went a little, quote, backwards in that you got married, had children, and then went to college and got your master's. Mm-hmm. That's true. And in some ways, that was um, a positive because I had some maturity and I had some understanding of dynamics and pain and how to make change. Um, so my education only enhanced what I already was beginning to um, understand in my life. Did you feel like your therapy work was so beneficial to you that that's one of the reasons why you sought out that as a profession? Oh, I I certainly think so. I think realizing that your life doesn't have to be painful and that you can create the life that you want. You can create a life with aliveness and happiness and vibrancy. Mm -hmm. That was certainly a motivator. I wanted for the people that wanted it, I wanted them to have that ability to change their life. Yeah, that's something that we really do have in common, don't we? Mm-hmm. Right? You went through therapy and it so changed you that you wanted to be a therapist to give back. And I certainly have become a coach because of how my coach really made a difference in my life. So, see, we do have something in common. <laughs> we do. Well, we have a lot of values in common. Yeah, that's true. But we have a lot of um, just we, life personality yeah, differences. We operate by the same blueprint, but um, we are very different cars, you'd say. We, we, we operate in very different ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what's your life like now? Well, I, um, I work a little bit. I have some uh, clients that I continue to work with. I connect with my family, spend a lot of time with Roy, um, enjoy those conversations, and... Um, just kind of live a daily, pretty normal life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you really are a homemaker, in, and I mean that in the literal and best sense of the word. You make home. Um, one of the one of the things that you gift me with is, you know, I was single for a while, and I I know the way I would live if I was living by myself. It would just be a very bare essentials barren kind of home you know it wouldn't be i wouldn't spend time decorating or bringing plants in and things like that i I wouldn't find that to be important but having you in my life because that's your skill you make home um it there's a real blessing to me 
by how warm and inviting our environment is and what you bring. So, yeah, that 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 is. Um, I, I think sometimes and nowadays there's a little bit of a negativity around being a homemaker, um, but I don't. I don't even mean that term in the way normal people mean it. I mean you make home, um, and you give that. To, to everybody, whether it's when my son comes to visit or your children are here, you are um, yeah, really good at making people feel welcomed and comfortable and taken care of. So that's your, that's your area of genius, I think. And we might notice that all life experiences lead us up to the life that we're living. So when what Roy just said, I think of nurturing, I think of connection, I think of nature, I think of creativity. Um, Some of that really began in my early life on the farm. Mm. Um, But then, too, I've had many changes through that time. I've relocated a couple times. I moved out of Michigan. I moved to Chicago area. And so all of those life experiences lead us to the life we're living. And I'm pretty happy. I'm I'm very happy with my life right now. And I do like a home that feels connected and warm and um, just just open. I I Mm. like that. Mm. Yeah. And you skipped over one part, I think, that is just an interesting thing. When you talk about that you grew up on a farm, when you got married, you guys were farmers. And... We're talking what cows, sheep, pigs, like like a real farm as a business, not like we just have a little vegetable garden and we have lettuce and green peppers. So yes, that's that's the animals aren't quite right, but oh. we we had those animals on my original farm with my family. Oh. Um, but in my marriage, we had we did have a farm. We had pigs and grain farming, um, which also points to how different your life can be. Yes, I I grew up in in that environment, and I created that environment with my first husband. But also, I got to a point where my life was leading me in another direction. I'm ending up living in the Chicago area. I live in an urban area. So, completely different. Mm, Yeah. Okay, so, cool. Thank you for that and putting a little color behind who you are and adding to that. Do you have anything more from that that you want to go into? No, I think we wanted to move on to differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I want to try to express to the audience, although I have touched on this in a a podcast that was called Compatibility or Incompatibility or uh, What's Important in Compatibility and What's Not. I want to impress upon the audience about just how different we really are. Aside from being the fact that she is a feminine essence person – and I am much more of a masculine essence person. And by that, I mean all human beings, just a little teaching moment here, because I haven't done a podcast on masculine and feminine dynamics yet, but I am going to. But all, all human beings have both masculine and feminine energy. These are energies that exist in the universe. They are the energies of magnetism and electromagnetism. So there's a north and south pole of magnetic energy around the earth. When you plug in something into the wall, there's two prongs and they're masculine and feminine. On your car battery, there's a red cable and a black cable. They're masculine and feminine. So I'm not really speaking about gender. I'm not speaking about men and women. I'm speaking about different different life 
forces. Like I often call them the two faces of God. <laughs> there is the there is presence and consciousness and mission and freedom and direction, and then there is love and emotion and people and connection and communion and celebration. These are incredibly different impulses. And so masculine and feminine are complete opposites. They have different purposes and different priorities and different passions. And yet, just like in the world of electromagnetism, they are drawn together. When you put masculine near feminine, like in a magnet, if you put opposite energies of magnets near each other, they, they, they come near. They draw each other to one another. So masculine feminine are the energies of attraction, the energies of sexual attraction. It doesn't matter whether you're gay or straight. For two people to feel chemistry and attraction, it's because one person is more masculine, one person is more feminine, and that's what draws them together. But you're drawn together, but you're, you're, you're completely opposite. So that's why there is always a kind of attention between couples. There, there's a difference there and there's a, it can be a playful tension, but there's always the rub. There's always a little kind of a conflict because they operate by different points of view in the world. So we're different. Obviously you heard her describe her home and nurturing and giving and caregiving. That's not my thing. Okay. Even though I'm a coach, that's just not my thing. I'm about where are we going as a couple? Where's it, where are our lives headed? How do we get to places of freedom where we can, you know, be and give who we want to be and give and all that stuff. So we're different there, but we are different in our, you can hear our tone of voice. You can hear, I talk fast. I talk loud. I talk a lot. (laughs) Um, And she's not that way. So I'm fast paced and she's slow paced. Um, I am very impulsive and, and, and risk taking and, I like to make quick decisions. I'm like, let's go, let's go. And she's very thoughtful, very cautious. She it she can take forever. <laughs> it drives me nuts sometimes on making decisions. So just as that, we are really different, but it has not driven us apart. Um, we do, and I think you would agree, sweetheart, we, we do have moments where we have conflict around our differences. Um but generally, we we use these things, I think, as positives. But I want to just have you speak a little bit to how do you think we have maintained and become a, you know, a quality couple, even though we're so different? Well, I just want to touch on a couple more things that are different between us and then take a look at that. Um, I tend to be more introverted. You're more extroverted. I recharge at home. You like to get some energy and to get going. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a wanna, I want to get out of the house person. Yes. Yeah. you li- Like you said earlier, you like to plan. I like to think, keep things kind of open-ended and flexible. Um, I tend to be more serious, uh, more cautious. Um, not that you don't uh, contemplate things, but I contemplate maybe even more. Mm-hmm. Roy, as you have heard, uses a lot of humor Probably one of the things that attracted me to him, he was he was just so funny, 
And again, as I tend to be a little more serious, that was um, kind of a, a new experience. It, it felt very, very good. Mm. So um, I think one of the ways that we move through these differences is that we allow each other to be who we are. So Roy is Roy and Mary Margaret is Mary Margaret. I, I'm not trying to change him. He's not trying to change me. Now, we do talk about things and we talk through things. Um, there might be things that, you know, this is the way I am or this is the way Roy is, but it may not be serving us well as individuals or even as a couple. So then we have to um, just kind of take a step back, uh, have some self-awareness, notice what's driving that, notice why that's so important in our lives and how do we open that up and look at it differently so that we can learn and grow as a couple as well. Mm -hmm. I want to underscore something you said, that we don't try to change each other. And I believe that that comes from a deeper principle of conscious living and conscious relating, which is the commitment to being curious about life and about what you're experiencing rather than being committed to being right. And what I mean by that is it's so easy to think that your way is the right way, right? <laughs> you know, my way is right. You're wrong. Like you're weird. Like, why don't you, if you, you know, were more evolved or more this or more that, then you would be this way because there is a way, there is a right way. And our egos are such that we always think that it's our way is the way everybody should be. So then we get into relationship where we do subtly or aggressively try to change the other person to be like us. Cause it can be annoying when someone operates by a different principle or it just goes to the beat of a different drummer. And as I'm saying this, I remember, in my, you know this, sweetheart, my favorite spiritual teacher is Michael Singer. Yes. And I remember him one time saying that for him, the, like the definition of a good relationship, he said, in fact, I can remember this quite right. So the definition of a good relationship is two people getting together not to work on each other, but to work on themselves with each other. <laughs> What he's getting at there is a good relationship. A bad relationship is one where you're together and you're going to work on each other. I'm going to work on you. I'm going to make you get smarter. I'm going to make you get thinner. I'm going to make you get more money. I'm going to make you have a different personality. I'm going to make you make decisions faster. I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to work on you, right? And I think a lot of people get into relationships with people that they feel their partner might have some potential. Like this is a good man or this is a good woman. They got a couple of issues where I'm not comfortable with them, but I think that I can work on them. I think I can change them. I think I can make that person more responsible with money or, you know, maybe be more interested in having children or something. And that is the death of a relationship because you're coming to your relationship from a place of judgment. I'm right and you're wrong and I'm going to change you. So Singer was saying, no, you can be together and work on yourselves with each other. <laughs> and I, and I'd like to think we spend most of our time doing that. Although we, we, we have had our moments where we drive each other crazy and we really try to make somebody be a bit more the way we want them to be. And that's all about learning, you know, noticing that, like you said, being curious, being open about it, 
Um, another aspect of that is revealing, not concealing. So I'm noticing this is what I'm feeling, and I, I maybe want to conceal it from you, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sit down. We're going to, you know, we can talk about it. Let's see what we both feel about how we both feel about this, what we think about this, and again, what is driving that? What what makes that so important in our lives? Mm, yes, and the, the other perspective again, this is a deeper conscious living principle that comes to play in this issue of being different from each other is that it it's a perspective of how do you see your differences like has you know does god hate you and he put you with a person who's different just to torture you or could there be like a larger purpose in being attracted to your opposite could it be for your benefit So we get to determine which way we want to see the differences between us as, as people and as in a, in a couple relationship. And I choose to see it from the perspective that even though you and I on a spiritual level are whole and complete unto ourselves, we are perfect as we are on the psychological level, like on the functional level, I'm lopsided. I'm sort of one-dimensional. I'm sort of skewed, right? I'm a risk-taker. I'm impulsive. I'm aggressive, you know, that kind of stuff. And you are the opposite. That could become a point of tension. Or I could view it as she is embodying qualities that I need to develop in my life. So when she's so different, she's not my enemy. She's not an annoyance. She's my teacher. She is showing me things that I need to grow in my cautiousness, my thoughtfulness, my take your time making a decision, right? So I see her in my life that I need to be more like her is what I'm trying to say. And I believe, I don't know if you believe this, but I believe I'm in your life because there's some ways that you need to be more like me. I was just going to say that if you flip the coin over, it's the same thing. Um, you know, sometimes I do need some direction and I, cause I can get stuck in my, my pondering and sometimes I just need to make a decision and move on. Yeah. Yeah. So that just reframes the issue that you're going to be with someone who's different from you. You really can look at it as that's a good thing. Now my partner is not my annoying person who just gets on my nerves because they do this and they do this. It's that they are showing me a part of myself that I have disowned and that I need to develop in my life. So now, yeah, my partner's my ally instead of somehow they can be an impediment to what I want or the way I think life should be. So, okay, I think we've beaten the the compatibility horse to death here. And and now I want to talk about um, how we met. Do you have anything more you want to share there? You good? No, I think, yes, we can move on. Okay. So, um, it wouldn't do my audience a whole lot of good to talk about stuff that happens at year 13 because most of the people listening to this want to attract lasting love, meaning you're single or you're very early in a relationship. So I thought we would talk a little bit about, sweetheart, we would talk about the early days of our meeting one another mm-hmm. and what happened there. Um, and so let me set the stage on how we met because that's instructive right there. There are all kinds of ways you can be intentional about meeting people um, in this day and age. Um, You can go online. You can do all kinds of things. We met each other 
when neither one of us was actually on the prowl, I could say. We weren't actively searching. But that's only because both of us had done a lot of work dealing with our own attachment issues and our own relationship issues because when we had met, I had finished two years of working with my coach. You had finished a couple of years working with your therapist. And so I think that's the that's the, one of the messages I want to give is when we met and we hit it off and things started moving forward, we had done our work to let go of some of the things that had sabotaged our relationships in the past. And for me, it was always me you know, needing the affection and the attention of a woman to make me feel like a man. So I was kind of a love addict. I, I just, I needed to be in relationship to feel like I existed in a sense. But I had done some work around that and so um, had let go of a lot of that. And we met at a personal growth conference and um, I knew the speaker. So that's why I went. It was a three-day weekend workshop. I just went for the final day. Um and do you want to throw something in there? No. You good? Okay. Um, and you were there to get some credits for your therapy license. I need continuing education credits for my license. Yeah, yeah. So it was Sunday morning. Um, I was to go to Florida for six months the next day. Okay. So I just showed up to this thing because uh, I wanted to meet the teacher. I knew the, the, the teacher's uh, husband. And... Um, Wanted to meet her. So I, I just went on stage and was saying hello to her and talking with her. And then we were about to get started. So I just turned around standing on the stage and I just looked for the prettiest girl in the room to sit down next to her. <laughs> and that was you. And I still can picture you in my mind right there. And talk about differences. You were sitting there with a, a little Starbucks cup of tea. Yes. She was just sitting there. Her legs were crossed. She just looked like the most peaceful serene, calm, and gentle person I've ever seen. There was an aura of peace around her. Okay, Now, I live in this area of, of energy inside of me, you know, always having to get somewhere, do something, achieve something, you know. And I think that was part of the attraction. She just looked like she was at rest and she wasn't going anywhere. She wasn't in a hurry. <laughs> so I went down and sat next to her and um, we started flirting with each other immediately. What, what what are some of your memories from our first interactions sitting in this room full of like 80 people? Well, I remember the uh, whole row had, there were a lot of seats open and you came and sat right next to me, the chair right next <laughs> okay, to me. Okay, I'm aggressive, all right? So, all right. <laughs> and of course, you introduced yourself uh, very openly and I was a little surprised by that. Um and then, of course, we went on. We did some interactions um, in the activities of the group, uh, experiential experiences, and we did that. And I remember um, one thing that I remember, of course, I'm the more serious, calm person, is you made me laugh incredibly. Um, and it was just a, a fun experience going through these exercises that the leader wanted us to do. And so it was just fun. Yeah. And we should talk about that a bit because it speaks to um, a commitment, I think, that we both showed in that moment to being authentic. Because, all right, so it's Sunday morning, right? And this person's going to give a talk on conscious living and conscious loving. And to sort of get the group warmed up and sort of awake in the morning, she had everybody stand up and do something that is called 
creative joint play. Okay, now this is the most ridiculous physical exercise you can ever imagine. Because <laughs> her her thinking was in order to kind of open up the creative juices of learning, you gotta open up your body. Okay, now that is true. But you gotta picture this. Now I'm standing next to a woman that I'm very attracted to. We're already starting to flirt with each other. We're almost making a scene. Okay, it, it, we were laughing and giggling and stuff, and people were kind of looking at us like, you know, you're making a, you're making noise, right? So there's a lot of energy between us, and then the first exercise is they want us to stand up and start with our jaw, our face, and start moving every joint in your face and in your jaw in the craziest contorted positions you can imagine. So just imagine, you know, wiggling your jaw and your lips and your face around, squinching it up and so forth. And then you start doing it with your neck all at the same time. And then you go to your shoulders and then your arms and your hands and your torso and your legs. And now you can imagine you look like a freak. Okay. You look like an absolute person who's got some sort of muscle disorder because you can't, you know, you're just wiggling around like an idiot. Okay. So. We were willing to do that in front of each other and sort of um, risk embarrassing ourselves, risk um, looking like a fool. Um, But I think at that point in our lives, tell me if you agree with this, we were both at the place where we're just more committed to our own growth and to our own truth and and our own lives than we were in trying to impress and trying to get someone to like us by becoming someone we're not. And I, I think that's true. Um, you know, because we have done, we had done some work on ourselves, then we could just be ourselves and it didn't matter. It didn't matter what Roy thought of me and, and hopefully for Roy, it didn't matter what I thought of him. We were just being ourselves. We were just having fun. We were just enjoying the moment without any, um, without any thoughts attached to what does this person think of me? You know, it did matter to me what you thought of me, but I overruled that within myself. Like I was very self-conscious, like acting like a weirdo here. What are you going to think of me? But I said, no, I'm just, I don't care. I'm just going to, I'm here to learn. I'm here to, to practice conscious living. I'm at a workshop. I'm going to engage so there was that part of me that was like, oh my gosh, she's going to think I'm some sort of freak and blah, 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 blah. Um, but I, I, I just refused to play that game anymore, which was an unbelievably big shift for me. Um, the, we went on to do, to, to do what was called persona play, where we actually, you had to pick a partner in the room. So the teacher would stand up and say, okay, now pick a partner. We're going to talk about personas. Personas are like uh, false ways of being that we learn as children to, to try to feel safe or get love. You know, it's not really our authentic self. It's a person we believe we need to be in order to be successful or to be seen or to feel safe. Okay. And so part of living consciously is being aware of your false selves, bringing them into the light a little bit so that you can see them and deal with them and perhaps let go of those ways of being and come more from your heart more authentically. Okay, So one of the ways that you can let go of your personas is by confessing them. <laughs> like you confess your sins, you'll be healed. right? So 
the Dr. Kathleen Hendricks had us pick a partner in the room and you're going to share your personas with each other. So now, not only have I met this woman who I'm very attracted to when we're flirting with, and I think there's, there's some juice between us. We do this creative joint play thing. And then the real first deeper conversation we ever have (laughs) is by telling each other, all the false ways that we live in the world trying to get attention and affection and safety. And we're having to confess those things to each other. So it's like we had to choose, are we going to really open up and this person I just met, am I going to let them really see my heart and my life and where I slip up and so forth? Or am I going to play some game? And we chose to share our truth with each other. Do you remember that happening? I do remember that, yes, we had several of those personas we went through. I don't remember exactly what they were, but I remember we went through them. Yeah, yeah. So there's two things out of that that I want to point to that I think are evidences of us wanting to reveal and be truthful and come from the heart and be authentic rather than play the games that you and I both had played before we met each other. Um, One of them is... I didn't share with you my primary relationship persona, which if anybody's read my books, I call him Casanova. He is like Roy the Rescuer. Um, He was the guy that thought that I have to devote my life to taking care of a woman in order to get her to like me. And so he was kind of a womanizing, inauthentic, I'll do anything for you, baby, you know, if you do something for me, you know, kind of thing. Um, I didn't share that with you right there in that moment. But I think it was on our second, maybe our third date that I came out and I told you about Casanova because not only did I want you to know that about me and my, and my past and what I had worked on with my coach because we had discussed what we were working on with our respective coaches or therapists. Um, I actually didn't want to show up as him with you. I, I really wanted to come to our relationship in a different place, more from my authentic heart rather than from a persona of trying to get you to like me by, you know, treating you as some damsel in distress that I had to take care of, you know, wash your car, clean your house, all the crap I used to do with former girlfriends, um, just to get them to have sex with me and like me. Um, so I decided to tell you about that so that you could spot me being Casanova if I ever kind of fell into that. So that was a big risk on my part to tell you about a real phony way that I can relate. And I told you because I wanted you to be able to know it and challenge me if you felt like I was coming from that place. Do you have any memory of that? I have very little memory of that. Um, It has been, been, you know, several years, but I I do have some vague... um, understanding that that did happen. Uh, I do remember one particular time I said to you, like, Roy, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I remember you asking, are, are you Roying right now? Or are you the, is this this Casanova thing you were telling me about? Because something smelled off to you. The way I was being just didn't feel authentic. And you called me on it, which, you know, says something about your willingness to risk our relationship for your truth. Um, And, of course, it says something about my willingness to tell you something that could scare you off, right? It's like, oh, my God, this guy is Casanova type guy. Um, 
he, I could get hurt. I could get manipulated. I could be used, which is what I had done in my past. But I, I just wanted you to know that part of me. And I took the risk of revealing that even though I thought it could push you away. But you, you, did, you did something also too. You revealed something to me. I think within, I think it was the next time we got together, like we, we spent three hours together at that workshop. We had lunch afterwards and I went to Florida the next day. And then we started communicating via phone and email. And I came back to visit you for our first date. I flew from Orlando to Chicago to go on a date with this woman because that's what guys do when they meet somebody special. And that's what this guy does. Um, do you remember what you took a risk? Like, I think you risked our relationship um, but you felt like you had to tell me something. Well, it was one of our first phone conversations. Um, we, we'd been emailing. Um, we didn't text much in those days, I don't think. No, I don't think so. But we did a lot it's of... 2006, e- right? Yeah. So we did a lot of emailing and phone conversations. And I remember one of the phone conversations, um, Roy had, when we'd met at the conference, Roy had in his when we had lunch, I think he mentioned how old he was, and I just noticed it. But again, I was thinking, he's going to Florida. It's not a big deal. I enjoyed meeting him. That's it. But as the, as we began to talk to each other and communicate and connect, um, one of the first phone one of the first phone conversations, I said to Roy that I needed to share with him that I am a few years older than he is. And I thought that might be something significant. Um, Sometimes, you know, people want to be the same age or the traditional one partner older than the other. Are you saying that men sometimes are obsessed with younger women? Well, occasionally, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Um, So I did feel like um, before we went any further, he really needed to know what my age was and that I was a few years older than he and whether or not that was something that would make a difference if we continued to communicate. Yeah. Um, so you literally risked our relationship for the sake of just, I just need to tell the truth. You know what? Sure. Revealing, not concealing is part of our living. And yeah. um, that was something that I just needed to share with him. Yeah. And so he could make a decision Um I had to think about that a little bit too. You know, it's not that big of a deal, but Cougar. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal, but you know, just to be real clear with it um, and to see what what Roy wanted to do and what each of us wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. I can say early on there were two moments in our relationship where it was you had me at hello type of thing from the movie Jerry Maguire. Okay, the first one was. When I first sat down to you with you in that workshop and I introduced myself, I think when you said, my name is Mary Margaret, I think you added a tagline. You said, but I'm not a nun. And you kind of smiled at me. It was so, there was so much innuendo and playfulness there. It was like, oh my God, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm already hooked. That was so sexy and playful and, and fun. And then the other one was when you took a chance to tell me that. You said early on, I said, I just got to tell you something. I think you think I'm the same age as you because I did. I mean, she looks great. So age is really not a big deal to me. Um, But her taking that risk impressed me because I'm looking for a relationship at this point in my life where people aren't going to play games and they want to come from their heart. And she's like, 
by telling me that, she let me know that that's how she rolls. That's the game she wants to play. She wanted to play the authentic thing. I'm not going to hide, pretend. I'm not going to get you so in love with me that by the time you find out that I'm older than you, you you just won't be able to let go. You know, so so she risked it all early on, and that that's what I that's what I want to share with. That's why I'm having her on. Is what I want you guys to take away from this conversation is that you're going to meet someone who's different from you, but if you can see that you need to become more like them instead of try to change them. That's going to set you on a path to healthy, sustainable intimacy. And if you will risk your relationship for your aliveness, for your truth, for what you stand for, for who you are, and not try to control and manipulate a relationship, um, you set it on a path of authenticity that is going to bless you forever and ever and ever. Okay. Now, I want to wrap up now and... I want to have you put on your therapist hat for just a minute. Okay. okay? Just look, talk to you as a professional. Um, and I thought a great topic to just ask you about how do you handle this with your clients would be the issue of emotions. Like, you know, everybody has anxiety or loneliness or, you know, we all, we, we all become an emotional wreck. In fact, I'm going to do a podcast uh, at some point, like what to do when you're an emotional wreck, because we all have these moments. And I know the other day, and we got to be very careful with confidential things here, so we'll change things up so even the person we're talking about wouldn't even know it's them. But the other day, you got a call from someone who who was a client of yours and was uh, – I think she was a mess, right? And, she, and so they were feeling they, – they were like in tears or something. So how did you handle that with them? Mm-hmm. I think I took the phone call um, before I walked down to my office. So um, Roy probably heard me uh, begin to talk to her. And she was very, very tearful And in that process. So first of all, she's, she's crying. And so then when I go down in the office and close the door and begin to talk with her, um, she wants to move on. She doesn't want to feel those emotions. She doesn't want to deal with that. She's like, you know, she's she's distraught, and she just wants to move on and let's fix this problem. But before we can really get into solving a problem, um, at times at least, it's important to allow those emotions to go through you, um, not push them back, not avoid them, but just to notice that they're there. So she... Be, I helped her to begin to breathe with it, just to allow herself to sob. And you just need to allow this to come through your body, just like your heart's beating and your blood is pumping through your body. Those emotions need to uh, move through your body for a short period of time, not don't get stuck in it. But so she was able to do her breathing and crying. And once she was able to feel what she, what she needed to feel, what she needed to release, then she could begin to release and eventually get to a point of, okay, that's what I was feeling. That's what was going through my body. Now, what is it that I want to do with it? Um, often I talk about emotions being another level of intelligence. We have our, our brain that gives us cognitive thoughts. It makes us think about things. Don't you know? look both ways before you cross the street. Hmm. But our emotions also give us give us information and 
So she was scared um, and mostly scared, I think, at that moment. Um, so underneath underneath tearfulness, there's a lot of different emotions underneath there. But she was she was scared. And once she could, you know, just breathe with that and, and release it, then we were able to, okay, you've had your moment of, of feeling and now now you're ready to go on and say, How do I handle this? How do I how do I deal with what's going on? Mm. Yeah. So much wisdom there. And the general thing I hear is that you are inviting her to to feel friendly toward her own experience. And I think so many of us, the question is, how do you feel about your feelings? <laughs> Most of us don't like our feelings. We want to get rid of them. They're like a, a neighbor next door that we can't stand that comes knocking on our front door. and We don't want to answer, like make him go away. Right or some crazy uncle, you know we don't, we can't have him over for Thanksgiving. He's nuts. So our feelings become these negative things, and then we want to push them away or distract ourselves, avoid them. Um, but what I hear you saying you did was you invited her to let them come, like I, I to to go ahead, cry, feel them. So the attitude is your your feelings are your friends. They're they're welcome. So you went through a welcoming phrase before you started to wonder what they might be here to teach, right? right exactly, right. Mm. Yeah. So that's a complete, there is so much for the listener on that one right there. Um, welcome your experience. Like, you know, like I often, <laughs> I often use this terribly crass analogy, Um if you go into a morgue and you pull out one of the bodies out of the refrigerator and you stab it with a knife, what's going to happen? Nothing. They're not going to have any reaction at all. No feeling. You're going to stab them and it's going to lay there like because it's dead, right? So the fact that you have feelings, that things touch you, things stab you, things come at you, right? You, you have people, conditions, circumstances. You have feelings. That just means you're alive. That means... Man, I'm still alive here because I can feel that. Ooh, I could. I felt my feelings get hurt. I feel my anxiety. Ooh, I feel I can't breathe right now. I feel. I feel all this anger in me. And so, you, you can. Your first response can be really, literally, you can say to yourself when you're a mess. Oh well, I'm sure as hell alive right now because I can feel everything. And right there, you've changed your posture towards your feelings, that they're just a part of life. They're your experience. If you want to talk about being authentic, well, then recognizing and welcoming and admitting your own feelings is the epitome of authenticity. But most of us are scared by them or overwhelmed by them or don't know what to do with them. And so we run away, we avoid them, and we try to go up in our heads immediately and try to figure it out. Why do I feel this way? What did my mother, was my, were my diapers too tight when I was three? What's going on, right? So all of that is a waste of energy instead of just simply feeling what's here. And then once all that passes, then you can wonder, is there something to learn, right? So, um, okay, so anything more that you want to share on on feelings and emotions? No, I, I think we've covered it in this short little yeah. piece that we have here. I mean, emotions and and coaching or therapy can be very complex and in-depth, and there can be a lot of pieces to it. 
Um, I was just noticing as you were talking that, you know, without our emotions, uh, we can be rather robotic. Um, emotions can be kind of the juice of life, but it's also a guide. You know, the emotions are a very strong guide of, you know, what makes me happy? Am I on the wrong path? Why am I angry? Um, what is not serving me well? All of those pieces that go into emotions. Mm. Yeah, there, are, there is wisdom in the emotion, but most people try to get that before they just simply feel them and mm-hmm. welcome them and sure. just have your experience. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, um, it's almost like being at the Grand Canyon. If you've ever been there, when you stand on one of the lookout areas of the Grand Canyon, th- this is an overwhelmingly uh, incredible sight to see. But you, you could be in that moment and start to wonder all about how the Grand Canyon came to be. <laughs> oh, that little Colorado River right down there at the bottom carved out this whole thing through the sandstone in millions of years. And so you could be at the Grand Canyon and be in your head trying to figure it out. But I think a wise person would say, okay, well, those are, that's a worthy thing to, to wonder about. But not now. Take it in. Take in the, the awesomeness of what's here now. And that's the practice with feelings. What's here now? Right? It's like, what body sensations do I have? What's the, the emotion? What are the thoughts that come up around the emotion? What do I want? It's called being present with your experience rather than trying to go in your head and explain it away and rationalize it or blame it on someone or something like that. So, all right. Enough ranting from Roy on this episode. Sweetheart, I'm so glad that you are a part of this. Well, we had some fun. (laughs) Yeah, we did. We did. And I'm sure after this, you're like, I want to be your co-host. I want to be in front of this microphone every week with you. And uh, I don't know if uh, we have to negotiate that. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen? All right. Well, maybe I'll twist our arms sometime in the future to come on and talk about some other things. But uh, I do appreciate you doing this. I think it was – I had fun. I would love to do this with you all the time. But I understand where your gifts are and where your heart lies, and it's totally okay. So, Well, great. All right, all right. sweetheart. Thank you very much. Right. And we will be back with another uh, episode of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast next week. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.